Okay, good morning everybody. Happy New Year. Sunday. Happy Sunday. New Sunday. Um, Ian. I didn't tell, I was completely prepared for that. Yeah, sorry about that. No, that's all right, Mark. Right. A couple of very quick things. Um, there are some leaflets at the back on a Christian Institute meeting. There's one in Penrith and one in Maryport. They're at the back there called Loving Our Neighbour. So I just thought I'd mention it. And uh, please do take a leaflet if you'd like one. Um, the other thing is just a very, very quick update on what's happening at the back and the building. Um, we've been assured that carpets are okay, they're dry and everything, so the entrance was opened up today. We will do our utmost to keep that entrance open, but obviously there will be contractors coming in, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, starting work, obviously mainly in the loos. But um, there will be redecoration going on in the lobby area as well. So please be vigilant. Keep your eyes open for notices. Because if it's unsafe, other than to use it as a fire exit, if it's unsafe to use that entrance, we may have to close it off again. So just please keep an eye on it. I will take the temporary notices down that I put up. If you see a notice that says, please use another entrance, Guess what you have to do? Use the other entrance. That applies to everyone, please, because there will be a reason for it. We won't close it off unless we have to. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ian. More things in my head. Um, Boulders Group, um, at the second song, I'm going to ask you guys to go out and because I understand there's food involved. So um, if you're in Boulder's group, make sure you go after the second song. So that's in my head. Follow the leader. Um, uh, yeah, there's some uh, paper copies of the notices on the back table. We've had a request from a few folks that haven't got internet stuff. Um, so we're going to try and get that hard copies back up and running. So there's some on the back table now. Just as a, as a, a straw poll, give a show of hands. Who finds a hard copy useful? Oh my goodness. Oh, I didn't print that many. All right. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Um, so, so we're going to try and sort that out. Um, uh, 19th of this month um, uh, is the uh, prayer for revival. Um, it's going to be held here um, at 7.30. So we've got our notices. Good. Excellent. Um, so it's New Year. Um, I wanted to pray for you. But I was thinking about, um, do you remember when um, Jesus was busy ministering in the temple and his parents lost him for three days. I don't know how that happened, but um, easy. Yeah. Uh, and then scripture says that um, there's an increase of favour with God and man. And I think that's my prayer for all of us this year. Um, 
Favour with God and favour with men. <coughs> Amen. So I'm going to hand over to Ben. Um, and then at the end of well, remember boulders, you're going out for food. Um, uh, second song. Um, when Ben is finished, I'm going to ask John to come up. He's going to introduce something a bit special, and then we'll see how the rest of the morning goes. Thanks, Mark. Morning, everybody. Now let the stand and sing together. <coughs>
just thank you for your love to us, God, that just pours incessantly from above, God. So those rivers never stop pouring, flowing down the mountain. We are reminded today that your love keeps flowing from each one of us, God. We reach out our hands to receive.
For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. In these days when you hear so much about shaking and things falling apart, when you hear so much about the turmoil and the chaos, I would remind you that even if the mountains depart and the hills be removed, my steadfast love shall not depart from you. My covenant of peace shall not be removed from you. And this because my servant died. My suffering servant died that you might have my covenant of peace and that you might know my steadfast love. And my desire for these turbulent times is that you, my covenant people, declare that steadfast love, declare that amazing work of the suffering servant to those who are trembling and shaking.
Like that, and you, and you just work your way through the Bible. It's like 
we've all got our favourite films and we, we can watch and watch and watch those exciting movies. You know what's already going to happen. And as you read the Bible, you already know what's going to happen. As you read through, you're looking forward to the next bit that you're really excited by. But Moses spent time on the mountain with God. And I believe that Jesus spent more time with his father during his ministry than he spent with anybody else. I, I believe that's where we need to be. We need to be in our closet. We need to be spending time with Jesus. <coughs> um, I'm going to invite Alan to come up. <clears throat> I'm going to pray for this guy, mighty man of God. How, how long have you been an elder, Alan? Um, 20 odd years. Goodness. <laughs> Glory to God, glory to God. So I want to pray for Alan, um, and I pray what we prayed at the beginning, that, that you will increase in favour with Amen. God and man. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to our hearts, to bring your conviction of righteousness, bring the words of love, the words of life to the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. 2023. Yes, it's going to be a year of amazing things. And um, we elders, the five of us have been getting together. And what we've decided to do for the beginning of this year <coughs> is to look at the vision of CCF. The Bible says, without a vision, my people perish. So today I'm going to give the foundation for the vision for CCF. It's just a rehash of what's already out there on the website. And my brother elders will follow up in four Sundays, not in not consecutive, they'll follow up to go through the details of it. I'm going to start with a little bit of Bible study. Okay, because we need to be in the Word of God, don't we? So we are unique in creation. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And male and female, he created them. Language slot. The image, that's Hebrew, Selem. That's a representative figure, like a model, like your action man or your idol or whatever. It's just a model. But the likeness, the most is a concrete resemblance. The likeness of God is more than just physical. It's his character, it's his love, it's all of his nature. And we are created in the likeness of God. We are unique. Isn't that amazing? We are unique in all of creation. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. We are spiritual creations. Unique in all of creation, humans are spiritual. If anybody tries to tell you that we evolved, ask them how we were, became spiritual. We were created as spiritual beings. And that word there, that living soul, in Hebrew is nefesh, and in Greek is suki, where we get psychology from and that type of thing. And 
we, you, we see that word, that Greek word, suke, in this verse. Peter writes, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Our souls are immortal. We live forever. Not these bodies. Our souls live forever. But what we decide determines where we live forever. Our souls can be redeemed. Hallelujah. What a good God. Why? Why did he do it? We've heard so much. Thank you, thank you guys so much for what you shared. God is love. We heard a lot about his love in the sharing, and I'm going to come back to some of those words. His very nature is love, and we are created in his likeness. We have his love. Look at this verse. I love this one. Even as in his love, he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, consecrated and set apart for him and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. We have been created, we have been redeemed because we are the object of God's love. He created us so that he could love us. That's the whole reason you and I are here, because a loving God created us to love us. Wow. You heard that uh, interpretation that came from Liz about his love, didn't you? That's how magnificent his love is. He created us, he created us to be the object of his love. But we got it wrong, didn't we? We fell away. But in his love, he demonstrated his own love towards us so that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not only did he create us in love, he redeemed us in love. Ben sang, I can sing of your love forever. <coughs> That's what we're going to do. I can sing of your love forever. We are the objects of God's love. Hallelujah. And he created us for a purpose. He has work for us to do. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So part of the reason we were created is to do the works that God has prepared for us. His preparation not our wonderful ideas, not the things that we think are great to do, because Isaiah says all our deeds of righteousness are like filthy rags. If you're doing something that you just think is a great idea to do, but it's not being prepared beforehand before you by God, it's a waste of time. 
It's a waste of time. We do many things, don't we? Solomon wrote, you do the next one, please. Solomon wrote this, all the ways of a man are clean and innocent in his own eyes. And he may see nothing wrong with his actions. But the Lord weighs and examines the motives and intents of the heart and knows truth. See, God's not too bothered about what we do. He's much more interested in why we do it. Do we do what we do? based on his love? Do we do what we do because we've got some, uh, uh, our own emphasis on it and it's not based on what he has prepared for us? The Lord weighs the motives. What are your motives for doing what you do in the kingdom of God? You all know this passage. We need to have the right motives. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, <coughs> it profits me nothing. Our motive is the love of God. It's not our own um, preconceptions. It's not our own emphasis. It's the love <coughs> of God. It's the love of The Apostle Paul spent three years in Ephesus. You know what Ephesus was? It had the huge temple of Diana, Artemis. There was huge riots there, big deal. It was a big deal when Christianity came there because it was a center of pagan worship. So Paul spent three years there, teaching them, evangelizing, discipling them. And he wrote them a letter in about 64 AD, which was pretty close before he was killed, which was before he was martyred. And I'd like to ask you, what would you write to people that you'd spent three years with? What would you write to them? What would you say? What would be the most important thing that you would ask them to do in the future? I'm fairly sure Paul knew that he didn't have long to live. This is what he wrote. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. His priority was the love of 
God. And I put in there, you can see, there's a couple of Greek words there. So no, the first one there, you see that? Ginosko. Apologies if my pronunciation is wrong. Ginosko means to know intimately. To know in detail. It's, an illust it's illustrated as in the physical union of man and wife. It's a deep and intimate knowledge. Beyond head knowledge. Beyond just heart knowledge. It's a complete, full being knowledge. To intimately know the love of Christ. Which surpasses knowledge. Well, what does that word then mean? Gnosis. That means head knowledge. Yeah, I know about the love of God. I read about it in the Bible. So it says here, God is love. Yeah, that's what it says. I know that. It's not the intimacy. It's not the total involvement of our hearts and souls in the love of God. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Gnosko. We need to go deeper and deeper into the love of God. That's what I pray for you in my last letter to you. And it follows on from what Jesus prayed in John 17, the priestly prayer. He said, I am them and you in me, that they may, may, may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. To get again the intimate knowledge of the love of God. But it's interesting, isn't it, in that verse? See, I'll put Gnosko there in that verse. The world isn't just going to know from head knowledge. The world will know intimately. When they meet you, if you are full of the love of God, something hits it's much more than just a knowledge. It's the intimacy that we share with the Holy Spirit that reaches out to the spirit of other people. Much more than just knowledge. Jesus said, by this shall all men know, you are my disciples if you have love one to another. And again, that is Ginosko. That all men will intimately know and fully understand that you are Jesus' disciples because you show his love. Here's the flip side. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's a quote from one of the Psalms. I never knew you. You know, Scott, I never knew you intimately. I never took the time. You didn't emphasize my love. You just did what you did, but it wasn't in my love. And you see how serious it is? How powerful it is on the one side, and how serious it is on the other side. Jesus said about 
last days, which started their Pentecost. The love of many will grow cold. We have to guard against that. You know, we're hearing so much about what will happen this year. But let's not let our love grow cold. Let's continue to press in to the love of God, to be intimate with his love. You know, when I, I first came to Carlisle, I first came to uh, the fellowship, it wasn't even called CCF then, uh, Portland Square Christian Fellowship, I think. We, and we met in a dingy, horrible old cellar on Lava Street. And when we danced, the dust would fly up. And uh, I went in there for the first time, and you went down some really horrible, dark, black, damp steps and through the door. You can remember this, some of you guys, can't you? And I walked in, and I thought, what on earth is this? But you know what hit me? Not the mucky old room, not the, feet, not the, the strangeness of the dancing around coming out of the Church of England. The love of God hit me. These people were talking about Jesus like he's real. These people were sharing their love between each other. They were talking about the love of God. And that's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been looking for for all of my life. Since I became a Christian at the age of 11, that's what I've been looking for. And one of the wonderful things that somebody shared with me recently was when they came to CCF here quite recently, guess what hit them? It was the love of God. It was the love of God. That's so. Our priority foundational vision for CCF, the thing by which all our activities must be measured, is the love of God. And this is what we've written. As we grow in our experience of the love of God, so our love for him will grow. He will bring about a deeper love for each other and the desire to reach out in the power of his love, sharing the good news of his gifts of grace, peace, and salvation, and helping believers to become disciples. God the Father says to us today, the same thing he said to Jesus when he was baptized, Mark 1, verse 11. You are my beloved child, in whom I am well pleased. If you feel that you can't be loved, you're wrong. If you've been betrayed and you've been rejected and you've been hurt, nothing stops you from being loved by our wonderful God. Nothing. Karen spoke about attacks. Did you notice? When Jesus had been baptized, he went into the wilderness. And the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, turn these rocks into bread. Which word did he miss out? He missed out beloved. Didn't he? He didn't say, if you're the beloved son of God. That's our identity. We are the beloved children of God most high. And all that we do is to be based in his love. Amen. Amen.
there's anybody who doesn't know Jesus in this room this morning and you want to experience the love that Alan described, I would encourage you to go and see one of the elders or the prayer ministers. Um, it's a new year. That would be a great way to start. Have a blessed week. Amen. Amen.